0: people, and they devote themselves to the fellowship, um, to the teaching, to the saints meeting together, and there's this kind of picture of the early churches meeting in each other's homes, everyone having everything in common, no man counting himself as more important than others, and actually like the believers really looking out for and caring and loving each other. So much more than just a, you know, a visitor mentality, it's like, no, 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 you are blood to me. Um, One of my favorite things I've discovered recently, we love this idiom, blood is thicker than water, and we think it means that family is more important than, you know, anything else. But that full idiom is that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And what that means is that the commitment I make to you, we'll see, carries more weight actually than the fact that my brothers and I were born of the same parents. That's quite a wild concept, eh? But we love to shorten things down and dumb them and take away their actual meanings. And so that's kind of what Andrew was sharing on yesterday at the gathering, was that in our churches, that every, you know, Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. Like, I believe that Jesus would have left heaven, would have left the Father's presence and come and died on this earth, even if the only person who got saved was Andre. I believe that, of Jesus. That's how much he loves. And so, if Jesus would do that for one, like how much more should we be looking after and loving each other? And uh, yeah, the, the picture that Andrew used was that there'd be no random citizens. Yeah, that actually everyone would be a member of the family valued, loved, and kept. The problem is, though, that um, who finds that easy? Who of you find it easy to love everyone without reserve? Hey, who's got that kind of capacity? You two. Okay, bro, come take over this church. I'm out. (laughs) No, that's beautiful. But I mean, it's hard, eh? Like, who's found that love costs you? Eh?
1: I mean, it's easy to love the people who are easy to love. I'm with you there. But those who are more difficult... Now waste your time with
0: lifts. It's great. We're gonna go there. I've actually got that in my notes. It's beautiful. I'm glad you I'm glad you raised that. We're gonna have a good laugh now out there, don't you worry. So how do we do this? How do we how
1: do we love like Jesus loved? Because like he was Jesus. I mean he kind of he was perfect. Me
0: a little bit of a gap there between Jesus and Adam Cox. I want to quickly put up John 13, verse 34 to 35. So this passage is, it comes in an interesting place in the Bible. So Jesus has been with his disciples, and they're these 12 men that he loved, that he spent all his time with, that he spent his life with, for three years of his life. And this passage of scripture, Jesus has just, I mean, he's the king of the universe. He's the Messiah. He's the prophesied one. He's like the king of kings, the creator of everything. And he comes and he devotes himself to these 12 men who are his friends and his disciples and his followers. And then he does something crazy, which is he strips down, wraps a towel around himself, and washes the feet of his disciples, which is a crazy idea. And he's basically saying to him, he's like, I, like the king of kings, I came to serve man, actually. I came to serve you. And so he washes his disciples' feet. And then in that same meeting, he predicts that one of his disciples, one of these men whose feet he's just washed, is going to betray him to death. And another one of them is going to deny him. He'll say, I never knew Jesus. I don't know that guy. I don't want to associate with him. These are like the three big themes that happen in this passage of Scripture. And in the midst of that, Jesus I'm kind of, if I was him, in that moment, I would have probably preached something along the lines of, like, faithfulness is really important, and you need like obey me, and please don't betray me. Like, that's kind of where I would have gone with my flesh, had I known what was coming. But Jesus does something different. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other as I have loved you, and your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If you're here and you're calling yourself a Christian, you're saying that I am a follower of Jesus. I am imitating Jesus. I am trying to be like Jesus. Like there's nothing, that is what
1: we're called to do as disciples. To love each other like he loved us. I mean, if you've been around
0: church for any length of time, you'll know the kind of things that Jesus did. But the real, I mean, he loved us to the point of death, actually. He laid down his life at his own cost so that we could have life. In John 15, 12 to 14, he repeats this. He says, this is what love looks like. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. I do love you guys, but can I tell you my natural inclination is not to lay down my life for you. I like you, but to lay down my life for you. My guy walks in with a gun, I've got to choose between you and me.
1: I've spent enough time with Jesus that I will choose me, but it's not my natural inclination. And
0: so we have to ask this question, like, how, how does this happen? How do we get to
1: be like Jesus with this kind of love for one another? Because he's Jesus, and he kind of, this was like built into his very nature. Us not so much. And it's this thing of love. And this is how God loved. We all know John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the
0: world that he sent his one and only son to die so that whoever believed in him would not perish but would have eternal life. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it. And so the only way I can figure out to be like Jesus is to know what he was like because that's the model I'm building after. But knowing what he's like isn't enough. I've got to somehow become like him. I've got to be changed. And I love it. One thing that I've learned in this congregation is that as I spend time with you, I become more like you. And you become more like me. And I love it. My family is quite an interesting one because I've got one biological kid and two adopted ones. And even my two adopted kids have got no blood relation to me are starting to take after me in certain ways because they spend time with me. They allow me to impact them and shape them. And that is how we change. That is how we become like Jesus, is by spending time
1: with him. That's the only way I know to become like him. Because actually to love like this takes a miracle.
0: Except for you, Garcia. You're already there, bro. Find it easy to love everyone. (laughs) It's beautiful, dude. No, but seriously, to love like this, it takes a miracle. Because you've got to change somehow your nature and your structure inside. And the only person I know who does real miracles is the person of Jesus. And so what I love is he's made a way for this. So, you know, we're born, we're born into flesh. We're born into sin. It's part of just the curse that we live under in this world. Because of the fall of Adam, every single one of us is born into sin. Our natural inclination is towards Sin. I mean anyone who's had kids will see this. You have this little baby and they are born perfect and beautiful and they're really cute. And then suddenly one day they turn around and they lie to you. Like no one taught them that. They just figured out if I tell the truth, it's gonna cost me. I'm like, Jet, did you eat that chocolate? And it's like all over his face. He's like, No. resent me. And I'm like, you literally have chocolate on your face. He's like, I didn't do it. And I'm like you're lying, like, we, no one taught you that. How was that thing just in you? And, you know, as we grow, all we learn to do is lie better. Wipe your face off the next time and hide the packet away, and now there's no evidence. But our sin is in us, man. It's part of our nature that we're, we're born into. But then this beautiful thing happens, which is that, Jesus, we're slaves to sin, right? We don't have a hope of fighting it, really. But then Jesus comes and he dies on the cross and he pays the penalty that our sin demands. He pays the ransom for our lives and he actually sets us free from the power of sin. When I got saved, when I gave my life to Jesus, suddenly I was able to overcome years of addiction. I was able to overcome years of anger and violence and bad habit suddenly the power of the sin was broken off me and I had a fighting chance. I could win against the stuff that had held me in bondage for so long. And over time, as I spend time with Jesus, you know, I'm slowly being held less and less by the presence of sin. Like I don't do the things I used to do. Every day I try and get better at living a life that's pleasing to the Lord and putting actually my flesh to death. And that's the beautiful thing that happens. When you give your life to Jesus, your flesh dies, the carnal part of you dies, and you're reborn of spirit. He puts his spirit in you. And actually, for us, as his disciples, we've got to live not from this place of flesh anymore, but from this place of his spirit alive and in us. And so we use this kind of language in church. I like, give your life to Jesus. That's literally what it means, is take your own desires, and put them down, put them to death and say, Jesus, my life is yours. What is it that you require of me? Help me by your spirit to live a life that is pleasing to you. And he calls us these new creations. I love that idea because the Adam who was the Skabenga is dead now. And I'm this new Adam in Jesus filled with his spirit. And I'm dying to my old sinful nature all the time. And so in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 25, if you can put that up for me quickly. So this is a beautiful passage of scripture if you read the whole thing. We're not going to do that because there's not enough time this morning. But it speaks about how the desires of the flesh, of our sinful nature, are things like jealousy, anger, coveting, immorality, lust, like all these things that entrap us. And it says, but you are not flesh anymore. You are spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is. Controls our lives, and He will produce this kind of fruit in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness,
1: gentleness, self control. Here there is no conflict with the law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit.
0: And so actually when it comes to how I love, I've got to keep in step with the Spirit. If Ellie's way down there and I'm over here and we're trying to dance in step now, how well do you think that's going to go? But if she's right here with me, like in my arms face to face, we've got a better chance. I've got like very little coordination, so it's a... Not a great chance, but uh, my coordination's not quite there. But the closer I am actually to Ellie, the better our intimacy, the more we understand each other, the less conflict there is, the more we shape each other. And so it's this idea, guys, to love like this. We have to actually be transformed by Jesus. You can do it by willpower, maybe like a week, I give you, before it just gets exhausting. Because you're trying to do it out of your flesh, and your flesh has got a
1: capacity that it reaches and ends. Where spirit, when God comes, he changes us. The thing is, though, that loving like this costs you. Because it costs Jesus. That's the model.
0: It cost him his life. And so it'll cost you yours to love like Jesus loves. Because he's going to ask you to do things that aren't necessarily your best life. And so to love like him, you've got to be willing, actually, to lay down your life. But the thing is, that if I lay down my life for Wilsey, Jesus, the king of everything, he died for Wilsey. So the great value, the great treasure, the thing that is of the most value to us on this planet is actually each other's lives. Because that is what Jesus died for. He didn't die to see a big church grow. Didn't die to see pollution end. He didn't die, you know, for green power. Like, those things are meaningless, man. It's people. And so if the most precious thing to Jesus is Wilsey, and I'm willing to lay down my life for Wilsey, Jesus looks at me and he's like, you are just like me. You look just like me. You love just like me. And what I love about that is that what makes it into heaven is what looks like Jesus. Because when God looks at us, if he sees my own sinful nature, I don't stand much chance. But because of the work of the cross, when Jesus looks at me, he sees his son, the one covered by the blood of Jesus. And he's like, you look just like me. Yeah, come, come in. And so I want to look like Jesus when he looks at me. And so the way I love will see has got to look like the way Jesus would love will see, And that might require me to die to my own flesh. And to understand, actually, that I'm born again into something different. And it's the spirit-filled man who is loved and treasured by my Father. And this is the beautiful thing, is that I understand to a measure what Jesus has done for me. Because I know who I was. Guys, I'm like those of you who have known me for long enough, I am no one special. But man, Jesus loved me. And the weight of his love, often I'm like, Lord Jesus, how could you love me like that? And it, it does something in my heart where I'm like, Lord, I'm so moved. I love. Like I want to. It's it's got to go somewhere, and it's this thing of overflow. This knowing how He loved me, and knowing how Jesus loves me, it gives me an idea of how much He loves Wolsey, and that then puts a love in me for Wolsey, and then it's this whole like love feedback loop. But you've got to die to the parts of you that find it hard to do that, because it's going to cost you
1: in time. going to cost you inconvenience. It's going to cost you sleep cost you petrol, salal. It'll cost you rest. But you're going to get something. You're going to gain the glorious
0: privilege of being Jesus to someone. I didn't join this church because I thought Jesus was awesome. I really didn't. I joined this church because I was lonely and I was broken, and I met a guy called Gerard Klassen, and he just loved me. He was just this incredible guy who was like, I think you're quite cool, Adam. I want to spend time with you. And he loved me. For like three years, I was half in the church, half out. I'd like come on a Sunday and then go and party in the week and spend the weekends at my girlfriend's house and then come to church on a Sunday. And like I was, guys, I fell in love actually with Gerard. And then through him, I fell in love with Jesus. And that is the picture of the church, is that how many of you are here because you've been in Howard's house? How many of you joined here, came in through Howard's house, just through being in his home and part of his family and feeling feeling loved by him? Guarantee you, many of you saw something in Howard that attracted you, and over time you're like, man, that's Jesus in him. Howard carries the glorious privilege of having revealed Jesus to some of you.
1: And that's incredible, and it came at great cost to him. And that is the picture of the church: is that people would come in, and they would love actually the community and the friendship, and the, like, because
0: it's unnatural; it's different to the world. You know, a guy walks up, knocking you on your window at the robots. You like, you just pretend you can't see him half the time. But here, yeah, we don't get to do that, man. You come to us with need. We've got to love you. We've got to look after you. We've got to care
1: for you. How many of you in this church have gotten support like food from each other, Wi-Fi,
0: I mean, even money and lifts, and like we have poured out our lives into each other, and there's been this thing of like, wow, this love is different, because you get nothing from me. All you're doing is give, and that is Jesus. That is how he loves. And so in the last little while, I've been laughing at some of you. I really have. I'm going to make a little admission here. When we started this church, there were kind of a few of us who had been around for a while. And things when you join a family, right, you join into that family's values and culture. So people always ask me, like, do my boys speak Kosa?" Because that's their background. I'm like, no, I'm not Kosa And I don't know how to speak Kosa. So they speak English and like a little bit of Afrikaans. Because they've joined into my family. So they actually now, they've they joined into my culture. That is, they are my blood, flesh now. Like they're mine. And so that's how we roll. And they fall in line with our values and the way we live our lives and what we give our time to that has become their lives and their culture. And so when some of you joined us, some of our values in this church are being committed actually to the church, to fellowship, to meetings, to arriving when you say you're going to arrive. Hey, letting us know when you're not. And for those of us who that was part of our culture, it took us a lot of love, joy, patience, peace, self-control to build those things into you. And over time it happened. And now those values have become your values. And do you know how I know they've become your values? Because some of you who are always late recently have been like, yes, why is everyone always late? And it's actually beautiful because I'm like, it's amazing. You've, you've gotten the values of us in you now. That's awesome. That is how the church works. That is like you have become us. And now it's amazing. Now you get the privilege and the joy of building those values into the next generation with great patience and peace and joy and self-control. But seriously, like that costs you. How often are you, like, you get upset. And you've actually what you've got to do is find the Spirit and say, Lord, like you're so patient with me, help me to be like you. Help me, Jesus, yes, to teach and be firm and build in values, but to do it with love and patience and joy. That's the big one. So I have been laughing at you. This is part of me is like a cravio. <laughs> but it's awesome. That is how the family works, is that you are growing up now. You've become the adults who are teaching the next generation and bringing them into our values and loving. You now get the privilege of loving others into the family.
1: Because if this was just all on me, we'd still probably be like four people. But it's you who have loved each other and brought each other in.
0: But you need the Holy Spirit to help you do this. Because if it is just flesh, you will not have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self control. You will have bitterness and
1: anger and resentment, and impatient. How do we do this, man? I love the Bible's
0: illustrations and what it uses, and it uses this agricultural terminology a lot of the time, but the fruit of the Spirit are these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit comes from a vine. And the Bible uses this beautiful picture in John 15 of a vine, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from the vine, you don't get fruit, sorry. This fruit comes from one place, and it is the person of Jesus. So how do we do this thing? I don't know. I've given you some knowledge, given you some tips, I've given you some scriptures. But the Lord is the one who's got to come and do this in us.
1: And so I've asked a few people to help me do this. So fruit is a product of being
0: close to Him. When you're with Him, you become like Him. When you allow his spirit in, he transforms you. He is the vine that produces different fruit in you. You can sit there thinking about apples all day. If you're not part of an apple tree, you ain't going to grow no apples. But to love like him, we need to know how he loves. To know how he loves, we need to know how he loves us. To know how he loves us, we've got to know him. To know him, we've got to spend time with him and take the time to get to know him. To learn his voice and obey it. To experience His power this morning, we're singing like, "Lord, show us Your power." This is what His power looks like. The work that God has done in me and my life is a testimony of His power. I believe in miracles because I am one. Often wish you guys could have seen me 15 years ago. Like I was that guy who's like, "That oak is never going to be in church, really." I was like, "I put good money on it." But even this morning in the prayer meeting. Um, And just on that prayer meeting, guys, yo, man, we we pray from 8 to 9 every morning, Uh, not every morning, every Sunday, just for this meeting. It's such a powerful time, man. It's so cool. Like, if you want to get early bird tickets to the presence of Jesus and to what He's going to do, like, be there. It's such an epic time. And what I love about it is that the Lord does things in that prayer meeting. Like, Kevin led the prayer meeting this morning. He didn't know what I was going to preach on. But then he came with this word of like each one of us as members of the body bringing our gifts and bringing them together, together to find Jesus and bless each other. And so even this thing of becoming more like Jesus, it happens in this family because I've got limited view. I've got one aspect of Jesus and then I see how Anton sees Jesus and suddenly I see a little bit more of the picture. And I see like Ezekiel and what he hears from the Lord and I'm like, oh wow, that is also Jesus. And together as a family, actually, we are here to make Jesus known to each other. And once we kind of got a picture of who he is, to make him known to the world. And that's the word Kevin comes up in the prayer meeting this morning. He didn't even know what I was going to preach. But that is the Spirit
1: showing his power, working in us. So there are three things that
0: I'm going to ask guys to do quickly. We're going to pray now. So just so you know what's happening for the next 15 minutes, we're going to spend a little bit of time praying. Because actually we need the Holy Spirit to come and do this, to take the words I've given you and somehow work them into your heart and back them with his power. And what I've asked is the guys who actually have a revelation of this to come and pray it over us. So I've asked Salal, who's had a beautiful revelation, actually of the Father heart of God and what he's like to come and pray for us as a congregation so that we too would understand who the Father is,
1: that we'd get a bit of a view on what he's like. And Salah, come up to so And what I'd like to do is that Salah
0: can pray for you. You don't add your faith to that, it's going to do nothing for you. It'll just wash over you. I find often a great way to engage our faith is to just engage our bodies. So, Salah's going to pray, but I'd ask us actually to stand. If you want to. Like, if you don't want to know the Father, Heart of God, that's cool. You can sit, but you're missing out. If you can't stand, that's fine. Raise your hands or something, but a sign of agreement what He's going to pray. And as Salah prays, like, you know, God loves unity. And so, as He prays, let's agree with Him. Let's be like, yes, Lord, like, come and do this thing in us. And actually, as a body, we're asking this for us, as a church.
2: Yeah, just uh, Adam to me like five o'clock in the morning, imagine, then while I was awake. And yeah, just when you asked that, I was just reminded of last year, and I see it says that I was under the thumb of God, and like, I was so hectic, it was, it was crazy, but he really showed up and showed me what a daddy is. And like, I know anyone can father a child, but it takes a real man to be a dad, and, that is that is god that is our jesus and like lord we're just here asking jesus that just reveal what the father heart is to us again jesus give
0: us that fire jesus give us that desire to know you as a father and as a dad jesus we want to know you as a dad a friend a comforter a provider jesus because that's what you are that's who you are, and you are love, Jesus. And like a father, you love all
2: your children, Jesus, so dearly, so wonderfully, Jesus. And we just want to thank you, Jesus, for what a father you are, Jesus. And like most of us, stuck with that edit, Jesus. But man, you have showed up time and time again, Jesus. We all say, will you show your power again, Jesus? Show your father heart to us, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, come, Jesus. Show us your heart, Jesus. Show us your heart, Jesus. We're yours, Jesus. We're yours, Jesus. And just where you are, just thank him for what a father is. And just I remember a time where you showed up as a father as a dad, and just where you are, just thank him. Lord, thank you for the time you showed up when my dad wasn't there. Lord, thank you for the time you just loved me, Jesus, through the difficult, through the pruning, Jesus. Just thank you, Jesus. You're wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
1: Love you, Lord. Yeah, Father, you say that you add the lonely into family.
0: Thank you, Lord, that you've added us all into your family, that we are sons and daughters of you, like co-heirs with Christ through the work of the cross. Thank you even for a man like Solal, who you have adopted. You've taken
1: an orphan and made him a son. That that is your heart for all of us, Jesus. Now, you know what I love about fathers is they spend time with their children. They speak to their
0: children. My boys have got stories for me all day. And as a dad, man, it's my privilege, actually, to spend time with them and speak to them and tell them how I feel about them and tell them my plans for them and tell them my dreams.
1: For them sometimes even just to shoot the breeze and joke and just hang out with them and have fun and ezekiel is a young man who for me has that kind of relationship with god i
0: love the way he just comes up and he's like yeah god just told me this thing and it's like (laughs) when he speaks i hear jesus i hear the voice of my father i know it's the father speaking when ezekiel speaks and he's got that for all of us, man. He wants to speak to all of us. So Zeke, come pray for us that we would be a people who hears the Father's voice and knows Him.
2: Yeah, Father, oh, Father God, I pray that you just reveal yourself to us, Father God. I pray that you just speak to us in that. Thank you, Adam. I pray that we'll just listen to you, Father God. I know in this in this world that's full of noise and it doesn't it doesn't show you, Father God. but pray we hear your soft voice, Father God, and that we follow you. Because it's, it's easy to hear your voice, Father God, but it's hard to follow, Father God. And I pray that you just give us that heart and that mindset to just want to look towards you, Father God. And I pray that you just open our heart. And I just I feel like God is saying, like, how bad do you want to hear him? How bad do you want to let everything go? And just hear him. You're gonna let that one friendship go just to hear God, or you're let that one opportunity, even though it's not towards God, just to hear God's voice. And I pray God is just testing us and telling us, here's my voice, and that's what you want. Where are you going to go? And I just, Father God, please just give us the strength to do it when there's no people around, Father God. When there's no other Christians to help us up, but You, there in our hearts, loving with us every single day of our lives, Father God. I pray that just, 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 comes down, Father God, and gives us peace and Father God. And with love, Father God, we can do everything. And everything that comes with love, the the faith, Father God. Because without faith, we can't. We really, we really not as much as You are, Father God. And we'll never be without You, Father God. I pray that your spirit just overflows with us in our spirit, Father God, and just leads us towards your voice, even though we want to do other things, Father God. I pray that your voice is the first thing that we look towards and hear towards, Father God. Yeah, thank you, Father God.
0: Ah, Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You know, God, God is family, man. He believes in family. God's own structure is these three persons, his father, son. Holy Spirit, living in community, perfectly united, with deep love for one another. And that is what this father of ours invites us into, is to become part of family. I will not reach my destiny in God without Aidan or Andre or Damaris because he's designed it, that we would be dependent on each other in family. That as Nanak wins his victory, we win ours. And he
1: adds us into families so that we can love and care for and support each other.